Hi, and welcome to Shattering BS Beliefs. I'm your host, Amy Turner, the No BS Sweetheart. And in this show, what we're going to do is we are going to shatter those BS beliefs that were never yours. Did you know that babies are born with only two fears? The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. So any of these BS beliefs that you have about yourself were completely created by you and you can uncreate them. So let's do it. Oh, and if you're lucky, sometimes I have a special co-host and he can be found in the background scratching, sniffing, whining, and if you're lucky, even barking. So see if you can hear him. Stay tuned. This is part two. Last week I did part one and we talked about the different ways that we sabotage and it's different ways than what you think. It's different hidden ways, things that showed up in our childhood. It's not typically the abuse that we think of. Like if we went to through childhood and we felt like, oh, well, I didn't have an abusive childhood, so I shouldn't be sabotaging, but there's many little things that happen. So part one, we talked about the first one was outdoing. And so outdoing is where you feel that you can't have success you can't have happiness, you can't have money because you're going to outdo someone in your family. And so you sabotage your success, your happiness, because you don't want to, it's hidden, it's usually unconscious, but you don't want to feel better than someone in your family. And then we talked about burdening. So that's if you felt you were a burden, if maybe your um, parents told you how all the sacrifices they had to have because they had you. Uh, or if you told you were like a difficult or ungrateful child. So that can be a hidden guilt of why you're sabotaging today. And the last one we talked about, my favorite one. So this one is love theft. And this one is usually for the person who was like the favorite, the favorite child, the favorite of the family, the one who got most of the attention. And it's a difficult place to be in because if you're in that, if you're that favorite person, then you feel that you stole the love from either your other parent or from your siblings. And so you feel like you you like the attention and you like the love that you're getting, but you don't feel that you're worthy of it or you feel like you're, you're taking love from someone else. So that's the recap. So as I take a big deep breath because it's time to get into to my excitement because I get to share with you the stuff that excites me to share about, but it also scares me because, you know, sharing about childhood wounds is not everyone's favorite topic. It's not that happy-go-luck stuff. So I have to just like, it's okay, Amy. I'm, I'm here to share. I'm here to give you knowledge. Abandonment. So when we think of abandonment, a lot of people think like, and this is true, a lot of people think like, oh, I had an absent parent or I had an emotionally unavailable parent, so you feel abandoned. And that's absolutely true. What we're talking about today is more of the hidden guilt of how you feel that you could be abandoning your parents or your family members, and that's why you are sabotaging. So this is where you want to separate from your parents, which is normal. Every single kid needs to go through that separation. They need to want to separate. They want to have their own ideas, their own choices, their own beliefs. And if you feel, whether you're told it or whether you just 
you, you get the feeling like we don't do this in our family. If you feel that you're not allowed to have your own ideas, your own choices, your own independence, then you're going to feel that you are abandoning your parents and their beliefs. And so it can stop you from becoming who you truly are, having that identity of who you are. It can stop you from whatever you believe in, like figuring out what you believe in. And so here's the things. And, And if you notice that maybe your parents are unhappy or they're dependent on you for their happiness, then a lot of times you feel that like big, like push and pull where you, you want to leave, you want to separate, you want to individuate, but you feel like you can't because they have this pull on you and you feel like they're going to be unhappy if you individuate or they are going to feel, um, they're dependent on you. So you can't. So you feel like you have that, that neediness pull towards them, which leads to you sabotaging and you punishing yourself and not letting yourself have your own ideas and thoughts and beliefs for whatever you want because you feel like you're going to abandon your parents. And even, you know, some people, I've worked with clients like this before, but some people even feel completely guilty and they stay at home. They, some people won't even get into relationships because they feel that their parents are so dependent on them that they can't leave and go have their own life. So there, there's adult kids. And I'm not saying if you go to college and you come back and you live with your parents, but I'm saying like adult kids that never leave their parents because they have this hidden guilt that their parents aren't going to be okay without them. Their parents need them. Their parents gave them that neediness feeling. So uh, the other piece of it too is just as kids, as growing up, so as as a little baby, as a child, you're dependent on your parents. And so you have to be dependent on your parents to take care of you. Then when you hit adolescence, that's when you want to go find your independence. And that's where, hopefully, if you have healthy parents, that they want you to individuate and go find your independence and not depend on them for everything and start to figure out who you are. And then as adults, we're interdependent. So we know how to be independent, but also dependent. So what we're talking about here with the abandonment is if you felt that you never really got that independence, you always felt like you're there for your parents for whatever reason, whether it's told to you or whether it's an energetic thing. So any worriers here, I have, I have some hope for you. Here's, here's my favorite, favorite quote. You're going to love this quote. Worrying is like meditating on shit. So think about that. Worrying is like meditating on shit. When I heard that, I like laughed, laughed my butt off. It was so funny. And now I constantly say it because it's true. You're worrying about something that's not even there. So you're worrying about shit. Anyways, I just wanted to throw that in there because I, I love that quote. So here, there, there is some reprieve for you if you are constant worriers. You could be carrying your parents' worry. You could be carrying your mom's worry or your dad's worry. It's not necessarily yours. A lot of times as little kids, what we do is we pick up on the emotions that our parents are feeling, whether they're actually expressing it or not. And then we feel we did something wrong. And so we want to carry it from them. We want to take it on so they can feel better. So a lot of times, if you know that you had a parent who was an excessive worrier, and you're an excessive warrior, 
It's not yours. You weren't born with it. You picked it up. That's just a little thing to uh, help you help you see that it's not yours. You're just carrying it for your parents. And now that you know that, you don't have to carry it anymore. So here's an example. I have um, a client I just saw. And during the session, he felt that he still has to take care of his dad. And he felt like if he wasn't in his dad's life, who knows what would happen to his dad. His, he even said like he thinks his dad would be suicidal. And so he's taking on this huge burden of feeling like he is the reason of why his dad is living and having a life. During the session, we got to like find out where that energy lives of his dad feeling like he has to take on, he has to keep his dad alive basically where that lives in his body. And then we released it out. And it was so amazing for him. He just felt this huge relief realizing, oh my gosh, my dad had me. I'm not my dad's dad. I don't have to take care of him. Yes, I care about him and I'm scared for him, but this is putting a damper on my life. This is making me sabotage my happiness and my success and what I want. And so I don't have to do that anymore. Next one is disloyalty. This is where you feel that you are disloyal to the family rules. You're breaking the family rules and you could be disappointing your parents' expectations of you. And so some examples of this is if you don't follow the family business, that people are just expecting you and your family like, oh, we're, we're all nurses. You're going to be a nurse or we're all... I don't know, we're all electricians, so you're going to be an electrician or a teacher or something, and you want to be something different, and you feel that that would disappoint them, whether they tell you, no, you can't, or whether it's just that energetic thing, like, no, we are all, we are all nurses, what are you doing, kind of thing, then you stop your, then you sabotage what you want, because you're doing something different than the loyalty of the family. And it can be, um, so yeah, it could be not following the family business. It could be marrying, this is a big one. It could be marrying in a different faith. So a different religion, marrying someone with a different religion, different faith, or a different race. I, I know people who have fallen in love with a different race and because of their family, they couldn't act on it because they felt so disloyal to their family, even though they loved that person. So there's a lot of like stickiness here and politics too. If, if you're wanting to, if you're wanting to have different politics than your family that you grew up in, that could be something where you feel disloyal. You feel like you're not allowed to have your own choices and your own ideas. And here's, here's another piece of it too. So when we're little kids, we have to think our parents are God because we're dependent on them. We have to think, or we do, we do think that they're God. They have all the answers. They're all knowing. When we get older, we realize, oh my gosh, they do have emotions. They are weak in some areas. They aren't all knowing. Then we have to admit it to ourselves. Now, if we have healthy parents, then it's okay for us to admit it for them. It's okay for them and they'll take responsibility for it. If we don't, then we feel guilty that we're having this criticism for our parents. Even if we had, if we did say like one thing mean to our parent and they reacted like really embarrassed or angry or cried, then we knew, oh, it's not safe. It's not safe to say what I truly feel and see. So I have to shut that down. And 
what ends up happening is if you have to shut down your feelings, your emotions, your, your thoughts, your choices, different things like that, your, your feelings about how your parents are stepping up in your life, if you have to shut that down, then it can, you can feel really disloyal. And so what people do so they don't have to feel disloyal is they put their parents on a pedestal and they idolize them and their parents can't do anything wrong because it's the only way that they can feel safe because they're not allowed to express what is truly going on. So yes, so we put our parents on a pedestal. It's the only way that we can survive because we're not allowed to see, to share what we truly feel. And then we push down all of our thoughts and feelings and dreams and what we want because we have to idolize our parents. And so, and, and that's also the other piece where that, um, if you guys ever heard this growing up, that if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all, right? So there you are, you're being taught that you can only say nice things. You can't speak your truth. You can't, you can't share what's going on. You can't share about your feelings if they're not nice. So you're taught that you just have to be this cookie cutter person, this nice person that your parents want you to be, and you can't be who you truly are and what you believe. And so you have to shut that down. And it shows up in adulthood where you shut down your success, you shut down your happiness, you shut down your identity. I mean, I talked about this in the last, uh, the last part, but it is, it's like, there's so many people that go through identity crises and it used to be like at 50. Now it's like 20 or 30 because people are waking up earlier, but they're realizing all of these beliefs that I've taken on and this identity that I've taken on is not me. And they're, they're wanting to figure, figure it out. So, oh, so here's an example of, of idolizing parents. And so I had a client who I almost didn't even take her on as a client. So I'm like, you don't really have any issues. I don't know what we're going to do. But she was just, you know, my childhood was great. Everything was fine. I just want to, I think she wanted to, to lose some weight. Or actually, I don't say the word light, lose. I say um, she wanted to release some weight. And I was like, okay, well, we'll see what happens. Turns out and in her subconscious or in her unconscious that came up to her subconscious during the session, there was so much abuse and neglect in her family, but she had to push it back into her unconscious so she would be able to survive her childhood. And then she really believed that her childhood was great and nothing was wrong. And so we like she didn't realize how much she pushed back in her unconscious and thank God for our brains that save us. So if you're anyone who has ever felt like I don't remember a lot of my childhood, I'm going to tell you right now, because I, I did that too. Um, if you feel like you don't have a lot of memories from your childhood, there's a lot of stuff that is stored in your unconscious because your, your brain is protecting you. There's different ways for, for you to let it out. I mean, you can ask for it when you're ready, it'll show up different things like that. So that's just something to pay attention with because Anytime I have a client who tells me either I had a great childhood or, or I don't remember a lot of my childhood, I'm like, okay, we're, we're going to get to some really deep stuff if that person's brain is ready for that person to start working through. Crystal, how do you start healing from shutting down your identity? That's a great question. Ask yourself, is this true? Is this true? If you felt your whole life that you were dumb and you're not very smart, is this true? What is the evidence that this is true? And so that's how you can start with yourself, how you can just start talking to yourself and 
and seeing, um, okay, for, for my identity, what, what did I take on? Is this true? Do I have, what is the evidence? I think that's the best thing to do. Then also like finding a healer or a mentor or someone who can help you with whatever realm you want to work with, help you, you find out what, what's really going on, like who you truly are. Because here's the thing, our identity is formed between the ages of five and eight years old. So if you think about it, and any of you who are like moms or dads or have kids or like nephews or whatever, five to eight years old, how, how does a little kid from five to eight years old know exactly who they are? But that's when our identity is formed. And so we're taking that into our adulthood. Where we're like, okay, this is who I am. Like, I honestly thought I was dumb my whole life. Like, I really thought I was that dumb blonde and I got attention for it. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to play into that I'm, I'm really not that smart. So I might as well just play into it and use it to my advantage. And then the more I did work on myself, the more I realized, no, actually, you're really smart. You just didn't get nurtured in the way you didn't get attention for being smart. So you had to go a different way and learn attention. So Crystal, that's what I would say to start with is just start asking, is this true? And what's the evidence? Ask your friends to support system and find find healers and therapists, whatever realm you want to go towards to, to help with that. <laughs> My sister says, yeah, but you're amazing. Ah, you're amazing too, Heather. We, we've done a lot of work. I'll just share Heather and I, my sister and I have done a lot of work on our relationship because I was the love theft in our family. So we've, we're awesome now. We have a great relationship, but we had to do some work around it. Colleen. Could you give us some clarity about your definitions of conscious, subconscious, and unconscious? Yeah, that's a great question. Okay, so I'm not going to go so much like scientific because I don't, the brain is just crazy. So what I will do is say what our brain does. If something, if something traumatic happens, I'm, I'm going to go into childhood wound stuff with the brain. If something traumatic happens and it's something that our brain feels we don't, we need to be protected. It'll store it in our unconscious because if we knew that information, then we wouldn't be able to survive, to go on with our life. So there's just differences between brains because there's people who know that they were sexually abused and they know about it their whole life and they go through it. There's people who didn't know that they were, and then a memory comes up because they were finally ready to handle it. So that's the unconscious piece. The subconscious piece is more about kind of the tapes that run in in our lives. So the type tapes that you're not good enough, you'll never be enough, you're not pretty enough. Those are the tapes where we, um, and it can also be good tapes too. It can be like, you're powerful, you're beautiful. I mean, it's it's those tapes that run underneath like our beliefs of ourself. And then our conscious, well, our conscious is just, running all the time and saying squirrel and saying <laughs> reading books and, and saying everything. So our conscious is what we feel we're seeing in our reality and whatever thoughts are going on in our mind. The subconscious lives underneath that and the unconscious is way underneath that. And only things that show up from there only show up when we're ready to hear it as far as when we're talking about trauma. Great question. Oh, the other piece with peace with disloyalty, because you know how like adamant I was last week about um, the surrogate spouse. So for those of you who didn't get a chance to watch the um, part one about surrogate spouse, so surrogate spouse is when 
your parent is not getting their adult needs met. They get their needs met by their child. And that can be, that can be sexually, that can be um, overt sexually, which means they don't actually act on it, but they, they give you that energy of it. Um, that can be asking you for advice. That can be talking to you about adult situations that kids should not have to be dealing with. Um, that could be putting you in that parenting romantic role as their child. So that's surrogate spouse. And so here's the other piece with disloyalty too, is if you got that energy from your dad or your mom, you were put in that role to feel like you were fulfilling their needs and whatever that adulthood looked like. Then, and this is, this is a weird thing, but then you could stop yourself from being in a relationship with someone or, or completely sexually, emotionally giving yourself to your partner because, and here's, here's the weird piece of it because unconsciously, so you don't know that this is happening, but unconsciously you are still there for that parent's need. You haven't detached from that. You, um, you, you were brought up to, to take on that role and you haven't been able to let go of that role and it can show up in relationships. And so that's how people can feel that they are disloyal in their family. Whew, I'm gonna take <laughs> I'm gonna take a big deep breath because this is this is intense stuff. So you guys go ahead and take take a deep breath with me. Aaron says, Oh my god, I told my sister about surrogate spouse last night, and I think it actually got through to her. Yes. And here's the thing with surrogate spouse too, is people don't realize how common it is in families. It's not talked about, but it's very, 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 very common. And the thing is, we're doing it unconsciously. We as humans are always getting our needs met. Always, always, always. That's what we're doing. Every single thing that we've done in the past that we regret, we don't like, we did it to fulfill a need. So for whatever reason, if you are a surrogate spouse to one of your parents, you did it to fulfill a need, or not you, sorry, your parent chose you to fulfill their need. They didn't intentionally do this. That's why it's unconscious. That's why it's so like sticky and weird and, and hard to make sense of. But here's, here's the other piece of it. As I'm talking about this, if you get any kind of physical sensation in your body, like I know someone on part one said that they felt like they wanted to throw up. If you get any kind of, because our body never lies. So if you get that physical sensation in your body, that's telling you something. Because our mind can talk us out of this stuff all the time. I mean, I've worked on my childhood issues for years. And my mind still wants to protect me and talk me out of it. But my body does not lie. I get that physical reaction when I'm talking about certain things. Even right now, I'm getting it just because our body doesn't lie. And so I just want you to pay attention. If your body is reacting, there's something there. And that actually goes to your question, Colleen, too, is if there's something in the unconscious that you don't logically know about, but your body is reacting, that's something that is telling you something's going on. So that is disloyalty. I know I kind of went off on that one. So that's how we can feel that we are disloyal to our parents when we feel like we're, we have to um, live up to our parents' expectations. 
Oh, and then the other piece of two is those of us who are like perfectionist. We can feel like we're never go- like the perfectionist could come from our family feeling like our parents have these huge expectations for us and we're never going to meet them. And so we can sabotage what we want because we feel like it's never going to be good enough when actually it is good enough. It's just in your parents' eyes for whatever their unconscious reasons, it's not. So I just wanted to throw that piece in there. Crystal, I have a client who has this with her father. He would make her massage her feet and take care of him and cook and clean. It was always very weird. Absolutely. I supported her to move out and to take care of herself. Took her three years to move next door. Just that space helped her heal so much. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. So she was destined to be her father's lover, so to speak. The one that massaged him and cooked and cleaned for him. So thank God for people like you who can help people see that, no, this isn't who you are. This isn't who you were born to be. And at least you were able to get her to move that space. And I bet her her, her father was, did not take to that very well, as as they won't, because then we are being disloyal again. Farad, is surrogate spouse mostly sexual stuff? No. Or is it, or if they are relying on you for approval? Yeah. Yeah. I talk a lot about the sexual stuff, but yes, it's um, surrogate spouse, exactly like um, what Crystal said about massaging the feet. Well, it can be sexual, but like cooking and cleaning. And, and it could just be about like, Asking your kid for advice when you're not supposed to be asking them for advice. It can be um, going to to your kids to fulfill your needs. Like um, can also be if if you so as an example, a mother is really really upset and she goes to her kid and she wants her kid to console her. Well, that's an adult issue. Your kid should not have to console you. You should go to an adult or a therapist or something like that. It's okay for the mom to say, I'm sad because why? That's absolutely amazing. But for you to go to your child to fulfill an adult need. So yeah, surrogate spouse is not just sexual stuff. It can, it's just fulfilling any kind of adult need that you should be get that, that an adult should be getting met by another adult and not their children. Yes, it's tricky. I'm a single parent. And as I am waking up more, I realize that I have done some stuff to my older daughter. Thank you so much for sharing that, first of all, for being so vulnerable and open and be willing to share that. And and now it's like, oh, I get it. Because that's the thing. We don't know that we're doing it. it. just gets passed on from generation to generation to generation. You don't know any better. But now that's the thing. And what you said is I'm waking up more. Yeah. You are waking up more. And so you're realizing, oh my gosh. So I don't know how old your daughter is. You can put it in the comments if you want. It's completely up to you. But what you can do is you can just go straight to her and be like, I'm just realizing this. I am so sorry. I had no idea I was putting you in that role. I never meant to do that. If you have any feelings about it, please tell me. I want us to be able to have a relationship where you feel comfortable with me. I want us to be able to talk about things. I want you to tell me how it's felt for you. I want to be there for you in the way that you want me to be. And I am so sorry that I put you in this role. And I'm glad that I know about it now that we can change it. It's all you really have to do. And that's all your kids want. They just want people to acknowledge what's going on. And they, and your daughter might not even know what's going on. It could be, she might have no idea, but for you to be able to acknowledge it and an educator would be huge. I've been detaching over time and recognizing it. Yeah. 
oh, you make me so happy when parents are willing to do this work and to touch and to realize and to share with their kids. That's how this is. I'm not going to have to make these videos anymore. People after me won't have to make these videos and educate on the shame and the different hidden guilt that we carry from our childhood because we're doing such a better job being aware of us because we're not unconscious anymore. We're waking up, which I love. So the last one is shame. So as I told you guys yesterday was um, the difference between guilt and shame. So, so far we've been talking about guilt. We've been talking about hidden guilt. We've been talking about, so guilt is when you did something wrong or bad. So, oh my gosh, I feel awful that I did that. I, and that's why it's like hidden guilt with your, with your parents. Cause it's that like push pull thing. Okay. So guilt is I did something bad. Shame is I am bad. So this is where we take on this identity that we're not good enough, that whatever happened to us in our childhood is we weren't good enough. We're never going to amount to it. We um, we're not pretty enough, special enough, smart enough, different things like that. So so that is shame where it becomes our identity, not something that we can change. This is who we think that we are. It's a deep embarrassment about who you are and this is something where we don't even want to look at it because we're so embarrassed. It's just like, or if we see it in other people, then we, we point it out in them because it lives inside of us. But sometimes we don't even realize that it lives inside of us because it's such a deep, deep shame. If you were given negative messages growing up about your identity and or you were abused and or you were neglected then you definitely felt some shame and you could still be carrying some shame because that's where it's not, oh, I made a bad decision. It's I am a bad decision. I am a bad person. I'm not good enough. That's that deep, deep shame. If we, so if we were treated, if you were treated as a child, like you were unimportant, then you feel like, oh, I don't even matter. My parents don't even pay attention to me. They don't even care what I want. They don't even want to know who I am and what I want. So I'm unimportant that means who cares about me? I don't matter. And so that's that deep, deep shame piece. Uh, if you were used as an object, then that would be a deep piece where it's like you were um, used as an object, what we said, like sexually, physically, but also to, to like bring pleasure to your parents. Oh, I did. I had a client once where his dad was an alcoholic and his dad would make him bring him beer. I don't know why that came up, but like he, he just took on like, I'm unimportant. My dad doesn't care about me. All I do is bring him beer. And that's his joy. His joy is beer, not me. So he, so that client took on that. I don't matter. Beer is more important to my dad than I am. I'm just not feeling like you were loved and accepted for who you are. Then that is going to make you feel Shameful, make you feel like you're not good enough for who you are. Okay, here's the here's the other piece too. Does anyone relate with um, being the black sheep, 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 the black sheep of the family, the black sheep of the family? Because I have I have some interesting things to tell you about why you are the black sheep or why you were the black sheep, which you might have never heard before. Black sheep means that you are different. You're the one that stands out in the family. You're the problem 
of the family. You're the one that's not like the rest of the family. You're the one that's not going towards the family's rules and the family's beliefs. And this is what we do as a family and you're different. So here's the thing. So, and the black sheep can be like the class clown. The black sheep can be the troublemaker. And here's, here's what's really going on is that person is carrying the shame of the family. So if you were the black sheep or if you know your, your sibling or sister or someone, um, was the black sheep, then they carried the shame of the family because the rest of the family can do no wrong. Everyone else in the family is perfect, but that person. And so because the rest of the family is acting like they are God, they are perfect, perfect, they can do no wrong. They're not able to take responsibility for however, for, for their actions. And what ends up happening is the person who is considered the black sheep, the scapegoat, of the family, that person carries all of the shame for the family. But here's the thing with that. That person is doing it, and, and it's almost like that person, the black sheep, takes on, can you guys hear my dog? Sorry. <laughs> takes on the shame of the family because they don't want anyone else to feel pain. They don't want the pain to, to show up in the family. And so that person unconsciously takes on the shame of the family so everyone else can feel good. So if you are, or if you, yeah, if you are the black sheep, if you identify yourself as the black sheep or the, the troublemaker, the class clown scapegoat, then you are probably highly sensitive because you were so sensitive to what was going on in the family and you knew the only way that you could take away the pain from everyone else is you be the troublemaker. You're the one always getting in trouble. You're the one that everyone makes as, as wrong because you, you're sensitive to those emotions and everyone's needs. And, and it's like that deeper thing of you care so much, you don't want anyone else to be in pain. And so you carry it. And it's, it's such a, difficult place because it's unconscious. You don't know that you're doing it. You just take it on because you don't want anyone to feel that pain. And so as you're taking it on, then you're constantly excluded from the family and you constantly feel different. And then you feel like you're not good enough no matter what you do. And you still continue to sabotage and make yourself that black sheep, make yourself different when in actuality, you're like the strongest one of the family because you see what's going on and you're carrying it for the family so everyone else can go on their merry way and you distract the family from their issues and their pain onto you. And the weird piece of it too is you get attention from it and even even bad attention is good attention because if you're not getting attention from just being you because you're different, then if you, if you're that, the troublemaker, any attention is good attention. And so you learn, oh, if I'm, if I'm a troublemaker, if I speak up, if I do this, at least I'm going to get some kind of attention and know that I matter. And that's why a lot of people can take on those roles as adults where they are just still the class clowns and still the, the, the troublemakers because they got attention for it. That's the thing. Like I said, we're always getting our needs met. So we as children need attention. So 
we, we learn, oh, this is what gets me attention. This is what I'm going to do to at least be noticed. And I'll share that, I mean, I've had so many clients that have been considered the black sheep. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had people, I've had clients who work with me that have, yes. Okay. I was writing about this one client. So she was the black sheep. She felt like she could never do anything right for her family. She was always just never good enough. No matter what she did, she was always the problem. And when we had our session and she realized that she's been carrying the shame of the family and they're walking around thinking like everything is great. She realized that she got to release that in the session and then she went to a family reunion. I just spit everywhere. Sorry. Hey, uh, I get really passionate about this stuff. So then she went to our family reunion and she acted completely different. They tried to like pin all these different things on her and she just wouldn't take it. She just knew how to just, okay, well, I'm leaving this conversation and just completely not carry it anymore because she realized it's not hers. So if any of you are relating where, oh my gosh, I felt so different in my family, or maybe your, your sibling did, now you kind of understand what is going on and why they were the troublemakers, because that's how, that's the only way that they were noticed. And that's what they were doing to distract the, the family from the problems. So the family could, could get along. Heather, I never really thought of it that way. That's amazing, Amy. Mind is blown. Exactly. It's it's really fun for me to be here sharing this with you because, like I said, my sister is on right now. So my sister gets to learn all of the stuff that I've been learning and understanding what what went on with me, what went on with her. So I can do my own work so I can teach you guys this. And that's why I'm really good at what I do, because I did my work and I'm still doing my work. And I understand that no one's born like this. Whatever the, whatever's going on with you, whatever your issues are, you were not born with this. These are things that you learned to do to protect yourself, to, to give yourself safety, to protect the family. These are unconscious beliefs that you had to take on that are not yours. And it's so liberating when you realize they're not yours and you get to release them out of your body and out of your energy field and you get to move on with your life. And that's why I freaking love what I do because too many people feel shame, feel, feel awful about who they are. And it's like, no, we are these like beautiful, amazing humans who had to go through whatever we had to go through to get to where we're at. But you don't have to carry that. You don't have to take that on. Okay. Sorry. When I'm a huge soapbox right there. Um, Stacy kind of hurts actually. So must have struck a vein. Yeah. I don't know if you were here when I was talking about the body, Stacy, but. If what I say, if there's anything I say, maybe if it doesn't resonate logically, but if you have a physical reaction in your body, there's some truth there because our body never lies. So if you're feeling like it kind of hurts, there's something there. And that's just something, don't beat yourself up. It's just something to explore. Like, oh, my body's telling me something because, and I'll just go on my little rant right now, but I really believe disease comes from us not filling our emotions us not expressing who we truly are. And then it's like disease shows up because it's knocking at the door saying, Hey, pay attention to me. You're not, you're not realizing that you've repressed these emotions all these years. You're not being who you truly are. You're carrying too much of the family shame. If you're not going to be able to, to recognize this, I'm going to show you in your body. I'm going to make you actually physically feel it so you can do work on it. So I really, really believe that. 
Yep, they probably got pissed off the family when patterns are changed because then they are stuck with themselves. Yes, 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 yes. And that that's such a good thing to bring up, Varad, because when we... Okay, so here's the thing. You guys have all of this knowledge now. Don't don't go running to your parents and tell them, I can't believe you did that. Like, don't do that. If, if you're thinking of doing don't do that. Because you're the one doing your work, not your parents. And when we are the neediest, when we're like, I understand now. I understand I was a scapegoat. I understand I've been carrying this hidden guilt. And I'm going to go tell them. And I'm going to have them own up to it. And I'm going to have them apologize to me. And everything's going to be great. No. What's going to happen is because if you're feeling this like neediness to go get this validation from them, they're going to hurt you more than ever. Because when you have that, when we're the neediest, that's when we're the most vulnerable to be, to be hurt. And that's when people who are not doing their work can hurt us even more. So I know you didn't say that, Varad. It just brought me to like, oh, I want to share this. Um, but yes, so the family does, does feel it when you do your work. It definitely threatens the family, especially if you were the scapegoat. You're you're not the different one anymore. You're calling us out. You're calling us out, the perfect family that did everything for you. No, they're not not happy about it. They have to look at their issues. And if people don't want to look at their issues, they're going to blame you even more and make you feel worse. So if you start to do, if, if what I'm sharing with you resonates and you want to do some work on this, Make sure you have a very, very, very strong support system if you want to go ever talk with your family about this. And make sure you're okay with whatever ends up happening, whether they they love you and apologize and cry and it's okay, or whether they say, you are crazy, get out of our life, I hate you. You have to be okay with both situations, otherwise it's not going to end up well. It's just throwing that out there. One more thing I want to share, and this is not something that people agree with. This is something that I feel very strongly about, but it's very different than um, a lot of people. So if anything I say, I said in these parts has been resonating with you and you, you've been feeling like you're relating with it. Here's, here's a thing that a lot of people say to do that I do not agree with. And I'll tell you why. So people say the minute you, you figure this stuff out, you have to forgive them. You have to forgive your parents. You have to forgive the people who hurt you. I will say yes, but not yet. People throw forgiveness out there like, oh, I'm just going to forgive them for all the shit they put me through for everything that they Every way that they hurt me, I'm just going to forgive them so I can move on with my life. Well, what you're doing is you're not honoring that little girl or that little boy who absolutely needs to be heard about how they felt growing up. And so that's where I would recommend finding a good healer or therapist or um, person who knows how, how to handle emotions because you you need to let that little girl, that little boy have their voice, feel their emotions, get angry, get sad, let all of those emotions come out, then you can forgive. I think so many people just throw out forgiveness and I forgiveness is a great thing, don't get me wrong, but they do it way too soon. And then that's why I have clients who come to me when we, we dig up some of this stuff and they're like, oh, I thought I, I thought I was over that. I thought I did all the work on that. 
And it's like, no, because you probably didn't give a complete voice to that little girl or that little boy. And then you went straight to forgiveness. And now here we are digging it back up again. And you're realizing you have spilling still about it. So that's just one, one big thing that I feel very strongly about that I know is very different than what's being taught out there. So I just want to throw that out to you. If anything I shared today made you get some insight into maybe why you sabotage that let yourself have your feelings in a safe environment because that's what that little boy or that little girl growing up absolutely wanted to do. And now you as the adult, you can do that. I think that's it. Just know that you're enough. You are enough. You've done so much work already. You don't have to carry this anymore. It's not yours. You weren't born with it. You are enough just as you are. So I will leave you with that. All right. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today. And I hope that you were able to shatter some of those BS beliefs. Please share this podcast with anyone that you think it will resonate with and leave me a comment or send me a voice message so I can have a Q&A with your questions. And if for some reason you still have those pesky BS beliefs, go to nobstherapy.com and send me a message. I love helping people get to the root cause of their BS beliefs so you no longer have to have them anymore. And you can go on being the empowering person with the amazing life that you were meant to have. See you next time.